Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses for an audience of real entrepreneurs building their businesses. People like today's guest, Ulrich Mousset. He is the founder of Vauban. Here's what Vauban does. Imagine you, my listener, are someone who's so deep into a sector of tech, like maybe you're the crypto person who really studies this, who understands it, has inside access to the founders or SaaS or some other sector. And you say, you know what, I'd like to make an investment in a company that wants me as one of their investors because they want me to give feedback. Well, they want me to help them. But you don't want to put in all your money. Well, what you could do through Vauban is create a special purpose vehicle, go and raise money from others, maybe smaller amounts from other people, put it together with your money or maybe not your money, and then invest that in the company or companies that you believe in. That's what they do, and that's just one aspect of how they make investing easier for people like you who are listening to me, which is probably why Ulrich is here. He's like talking directly to his people. All right, we can find out about Vauban, how he built this up and how he's growing it thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, if you need to hire developers, you already know, you go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. And the second, when you're ready to do email marketing, I'm going to tell you later on why the smart move is to go to sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. But first, all right, good to have you here. Super excited to be here. Uh, what's the smallest amount that somebody, the smallest fund or special purpose vehicle that somebody has put together on your platform? So, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's exactly what we do, right? Like we make it very easy for, you know, venture manager to launch funds and to launch SPV as well, as you mentioned. So it can really, you know, range from like a 50K, you know, 50K dollar um, SPV as an investment to I think the biggest that we've ever done was 20 million. So 50K wow. to, to 20 million. <laughs> so meaning one person has an opportunity to invest in a company $50,000. Instead of investing it themselves, they might go to 10 other people and get five uh, 5,000 from each of them. Put it all together. Now they manage a fund. They get some management fees. They get a share of the upside. And in return, the people who are investing get access to an investment that they wouldn't have otherwise. Exactly. Like, like the beauty of the system is that, you know, let's say you are a, an angel investor, you know, you would mm -hmm. write like, you know, 1K check, maybe 5K check. Um, and, you know, at some point after maybe 10, 20 investments, you know, you're going to grow your network. So you will have a lot of, you know, other angel investor friends. You will, you know, know more founders, etc. And, you know, you want to step up, like you want to professionalize your, your investment activity. So instead of going to a company and ask them for an allocation of one to 5K, you ask them, oh, actually, can I get, you know, 100K or, or 200K? Mm -hmm. Because I know a lot of people and a lot of friends, operators that can be, you know, helpful as well. Maybe they're going to introduce you to some, uh, you know, clients, partner. Maybe they're going to help you with your financial, you know, modeling or, or whatever. And you ex essentially join forces with all of your friends and all of the you know, people from your network to invest in this company. And in exchange of that, you know, you get a, what we call a carried interest, right? It's like a 20% mm -hmm. in general um, return on the, on the profits after, you know, the company uh, exit or, or IPO. And the way this whole thing started was you and your co-founders, you and your friends were reading TechCrunch and starting to say, you know, we're spotting these companies because we're deep in it. What are some of the companies that you noticed and wanted to invest in? I mean, uh, I was reading TechCrunch when I was uh, 12 in France because there was a French TechCrunch there that was. no one remembers. They were so good about, about <laughs> yeah, going international. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, it, it, it's funny because... You know, so we were reading TechCrunch, etc. And I mean, we thought we knew, you know, software and the startup ecosystem quite well. So we went, we wanted, you know, to invest in all of these companies like, uh, you know, Airbnb, etc. So and, and to put our, you know, friends money into it. But when we talk to, um, you know, lawyers, accountants, etc., they, they completely like discouraged after of doing that because, you know, there was like regulation, you know, legal stuff, a, a lot of, uh, you know, admin things. You, you really don't want to deal with that. And uh, we were like, actually, you know, there is an opportunity maybe to, to, to make this process better, to make just, mm -hmm. you know, to make it easy to invest in, in this company. So that's when we started uh, yeah, exploring, you know, this, uh, this idea of having a platform to solve all of your, uh, you know, admin problem when you, when you set up a fund or when you set up a, a syndicate. So was it just to be the legal backend for people who are setting up funds? Was that the initial vision? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's not only the legal. Um, essentially, when you are a venture fund manager, you want you know two things in life. Like you just want to raise money, invest money. That's it. But right. All the rest, you know, all the kind of, you know, legal documents, uh, you need to do the accounting as well, you know, to report to your investors, so financial reporting, uh, you need to comply with a lot of different regulation. Uh, so I'm not going to bore <laughs> the audience with that, but, you know, anti-money anti -money laundering regulation, um, compliance, etc. So you need to, to have like kind of a back office or, or middle office to, to support on, on your investing operation. Mm -hmm. And people, they just don't want to deal with that, right? It's very admin-y, et cetera. So that's why we, we came up with this idea of having a platform to really streamline all your legals, all your accounting, all your regulation, your taxes, et cetera, uh, online. So to make it very easy. So what you can focus on what you love, right? When so it was, was back in, uh, yeah, it was back in, um, I think when we launched the landing page, it was like December, 2017. Okay. Uh, it's funny because... At first, so the landing page was very simple. It was, you know, we make it easy to launch your fund and we had two options. One was hedge fund and the other one was VC fund. And um, because it was, you know, during this crypto boom where everyone wanted to launch a crypto fund, <laughs> we kind of specialized uh, in 2018, 2019 in, uh, in crypto hedge fund. Um, that we stop uh, af afterward for Wait, this a lot was, of let me see if I understand reasons. it though. It was at first just a landing page saying, this is what we want to do. You pick what you'd like. They gave you feedback by signing up, and then you were able to go and build this product for them. And by product, I mean a set of legal documents, a set of uh, service providers, right? Exactly. So, so it's funny because I was uh, reading um, our early conversation with, with Remy when we were launching the, the landing page. And, uh, and I was like, okay, I put 80 euros of AdWords, but I need to stop now because we have so many leads. Like we have so many, wow. uh, you know, people s signing up, etc. So I stop at 80 euro. And with 80 euro, I think we had like 50, uh, you know, people interested. And it was very qualified people. Like one of, uh, one of them was a top uh, poker star, like the number uh, four. Um, and... Uh, and, and we were just, you know, it, it blew my mind, right? Like with just a landing page, some ad world, uh, you can actually, you know, get in touch with, um, you know, this type of like high profile uh, investors. And if I understand this right, Ulrich, what was happening was there were people who were seeing that cryptocurrencies or coins were going to grow and all they wanted to do was buy a collection of them and they wanted investors who would fund this and share in the ownership of the coins. That's that's their model. Exactly. Okay. And did you have anything beyond the AdWords that you put up to test this? Or at the time, was it just a set of AdWords? Uh, no, it was just really AdWords. I mean, I, I'm really <laughs> a big believer, you know, that you need to uh, kind of test the, the demand, right? Before mm -hmm. build, building a, a project. I mean, it's a, you know, it's very basic. Uh, but, but it's basic, <laughs> advice, but right? we've all made the mistake of not doing it. And I say all, exactly. including you, your previous company was what? The one where you spent months in isolation building. Yeah, no, no, exactly. I mean, we, we made this uh, mistake like so many times where our uh, previous company, so it was a, a fashion marketplace, some kind of Tinder, but for, for fashion. Yes. Um, and we spent like, six months to eight months just building the application not talking to any you know customers and we were not the target audience right like we were the least fashionable people uh, uh, at uni so we just spent yeah eight months building it and then we launched it and then it was not a great launch um but you, you need to make like all, all that and then what happened when you again? launched it when you launched it what did you have you say tinder for fashion i'm imagining i could just kind of swipe through different different exactly. uh, shirts yeah. pants hats etc and then if there's one that i like i could tap in and buy it or and look buy into it. buying it that sounds like a good idea but i'm not a fashion person either but i <laughs> i would maybe sc scroll through it i could use some hats here now that i'm in austin um the sun is beating down on my face it seems to make sense when you finally launched it what what happened and what did you learn about why it didn't work? Um, I mean, I think what we learned is that, I mean, first, we didn't spend any time like talking with potential users. So we didn't really understand if even they had this 
problem, right? Like we were not really solving a a problem. It was just an idea, and we were like, okay, let's do it. Like you know, as you said, it seems like a not a stupid idea, right? No, um, sounds great. And then we we try, you know, to pivot like a couple times, etc. But I think what what is important as well is um is you need to be passionate, you know, about w what you do because you're gonna you know work like 100 hours on a on, on this project a, a week, and you need to have really this you know, this passion to, to wait for the product market fit. And for us, um, you know, I, I would really prefer to talk to, you know, venture capitalists and entrepreneurs and a fashion influencer, even if I have <laughs> nothing against them. But it was just not a, it was just not, not a fit with the, with the industry. I know what you mean, dude. My dad used to sell jeans and sneakers and stuff like that in what was considered the hood in Brooklyn. The dude was born in, in Iran. He was Farsi. He spoke Farsi first. He didn't understand the hip hop that they were that they were listening to, <laughs> the language they were talking. He couldn't communicate with them. He couldn't spend time with them because he wasn't part of their world. And it was really challenging to understand what the latest sneaker was. There was always someone who had to translate for him what was coming up. And I remember thinking, I don't ever want to do that. Sell to people that I don't fully understand. It just because it's opportunistic, it's really painful and it doesn't really make much money. So I get that. And meanwhile, before Vauban. After this Tinder for fashion, you and your co-founders were kicking around a bunch of different ideas, 40 different ideas I think you talked to our producer and you said you went through, including a bakery in London. Why a bakery in London? And we'll get back to Vauban <laughs> in a minute, but I want to get a sense of how you were. I mean, the thing is that we were just, um, you know, desperate to do something. Like it could have been anything. Like at some point we wanted to launch a zip line, you know, in Bali, like between two hills. Like we just wanted to, yeah, yeah to, to do something, you know, just yep. a business, any kind of uh, of businesses. And so we explored this idea of, uh, yeah, French bakery in London. I think we were a bit late because, I mean, to be honest, like there are so many already, you know, Fr French bakeries. But yeah, I was watching, you know, like YouTube videos on how to bake, uh, you know, French croissant, etc. Like, I, you know, we were really serious about it. Like we had a business mm -hmm. plan. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, at some point, you know, we realize, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't really, um, it wasn't really a, you know, a good idea. Like, I mean, thanks God we, we didn't do it because I couldn't have, you know, woken up at like 4am to do the baking for, for the oh. day. Like it would have been a, a really, really tough life. <laughs> this is you and Remy are the two co-founders, right? The, the two really close friends. What is it about Remy that you made, that made you want to start a company together with him? Um, so we met at, at uni, like in, in freshman year. Mm -hmm. uh, so at first we, um, we became uh, friends by uh, trading. You know, we were like passionate about like trading um, forex and, and equity, etc. We are like the early uh, Robin Hood uh, traders. <laughs> okay. So we were spending our uh, yeah our time like just trying to develop you know algorithm on on, on trading. Uh, we lost like four hundred euro each. You did? So How, wait, how'd you get four hundred <laughs> euro to lose? And by the way, keep talking into the mic. Whenever you look to the uh, side, it doesn't sound as crisp. How did you get four hundred thousand euros to lose? I mean, it, it was just our, you know, pocket money. So we would, you know, like save, uh, I don't know, like 50 euro a month that we would put, you know, that we would inject in our uh, algorithm. And uh, and yeah, I mean, we just, we just, you know, lost money, Wait, like 90%. 50 euro here and there from, was it from summer yeah. jobs or something? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was just really our, you know, po pocket money, like instead of, you know, going for beers uh, okay. with our friend, we would just, uh, yeah. Like Got it. And I'm guessing it wasn't that you put in 400,000 euro and lost it all. It's that you put in some amount of money, got it to 400,000 euro plus, and then lost 400,000 euro from the high to the low. Exactly. It was a 400,000 yeah, loss. Yeah, yeah. Got it. I, I feel like you're so uncomfortable as we're talking about this. Did you, end, <laughs> did you end up losing money in the end or doing okay? No, I mean, we, we lost that. Like we lost, you know, just yeah this 400 euro and we we're like okay maybe and we spent a year of that right so, so it was a, a year of uh, trying to you know hack the stock market and um and it was just a yeah a net loss wow all right but, um, so was it just yeah a bunch of different no, I mean, ideas what I, exactly i mean what i really like about um you know remy and why i think it, it's working great um together is that essentially uh you know he's going to promote and i'm going to build so you know promo if you have promote and build you can create uh you know really good company right but it's it's very yeah separated 
has always been a good uh, good combination in tech. Okay, so now you put out the Google AdWords, 80 bucks down the drain, but meanwhile you're getting 50, not down the drain, 80 bucks gets you 50 different potential customers. Now you have to go and build this thing. I'm curious about what the first step you took to actually create the legal work, the accounting uh, work, and so on. By the way, before you get into that, I should say this interview is sponsored by Lemon.io. We've been doing really great for them, which is why they keep coming back and buying more more sponsorship spots for me. And the reason we do well, it's a natural fit, Ulrich. Listen to this. You need developers. What do you usually do? You go to your friends. You go to your contacts. You start putting ads out, right? Maybe you hire a headhunter. Expensive, time-consuming, and when it comes to developers, it could be especially expensive if you look locally. Where are you now? You're in, in the UK? UK, yeah. Yeah, Correct. super expensive. What the team over at Lemon does is they go to Eastern Europe. They find you developers who are on par with the people you'd find in London, in San Francisco, in Austin, etc. And Except they happen to be in, in Eastern Europe, and so their prices are lower. Lemon will match you with them. So you don't have to put an ad up and hope that you find the right person. They will match you with them within 24 hours. They have a replacement guarantee because they feel so confident that they could find you the right people. And then they'll make it easy for you to work with them full-time, part-time. They'll help track time if that's what you need. They are amazing at doing this. I want you, if you're listening to me, to not just go to lemon.io and get the same great low price that everyone else gets. I want you to get a discount on their already low price by using my URL, which, by the way, gives me credit with them. And I really want them to know that I'm, I'm doing well for them. Here's my URL for people who are listening. It's lemon.io slash Mixergy. Lemon.io slash Mixergy. You'll talk to a real person who'll hook you up. It's like, I don't know, uh, like a Yenta. Remember Yenta from the movie? She will talk to you and find you the perfect match. That's what they'll do. All right. What's the first step legally that you put together? Um, So the thing is that we, you know, we are a a full stack startup. Um, so essentially, it's a startup that has an operational component, right? We are not just pure software, but we actually provide a professional services, right? Like to get your legal documents, to do your, your accounting, etc. It's like a delivery, right? So they have the app. Delivery. Um, yeah, delivery. <laughs> but you, you actually need to manage the riders, etc. Um, and the ultimate goal of this type of, of startup is to automate, you know, everything, of course, right? So, uh, but you can't do that at the beginning because it's just, you know, like very difficult to automate accounting, to automate, you know, legal documents. Um, so how did we go about it? We just uh, started by outsourcing everything with like, you know, different service providers, different lawyers, etc., to learn as well, you know, how they do things. And very quickly then build a product and start, you know, automating each um, step of the process and I think starting replacing it, all of the service providers. The first, the first nine people, all you were doing was going to find the right service providers, asking your clients, what do you need? Or understanding from the lawyers what, and, the, and the accountants what they need, making the match, watching it unfurl for them, and then saying, what can we repeat? What documentation can we automate? What, what process can we systemize? Am I right about that understanding? Correct. Yeah. I mean, at first it was very uh, manual, you know, for one uh, client, we would need to manually create, you know, like 100 documents and versioning, etc. It was like a giant uh, Google Drive, like it was pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that we, you know, the, the force of a startup is that you, you have to love your clients, right? So you would do anything for them which is not the case of, you know, traditional professional uh, service right. provider, like lawyers, etc. So we would go, you know, above and beyond to satisfy them, even if the experience, you know, wa- was not, um, was not so, so great. And then slowly, you know, you, you start automating things and then the product uh, takes shape. How much was it costing you to service each new client? I I kind of like that you're calling them, by the way, a, a hedge fund. But in reality, it almost makes the their role bigger than it really was. It's kind of like a more like a soup like an angel investment that they were putting together, right? It's just one person saying, "I want to invest in this one project, Crispo Crisp." Uh, crypto project or these collection of coins it's not a hedge fund who's sitting on wall street who's got all these different investments we're talking about individuals who just want to make investments and pull other people's investments to do that right so yes and no because at first it was really hedge fund like it was it really really small was hedge, hedge funds who needed you 
yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was really hedge funds. Well, so why did these hedge funds need two dudes who'd never done this before? Couldn't they just make the same phone call and get lawyers themselves? No, because it's difficult. You know, like when you work in, um, you know, in, in, like in Wall Street or in investment banking or in, in trading, like your dream is to create your own fund, right? Like your dream is to uh, resign, quit, and then start your own hedge fund. But you just don't know how to do it, right? So you go on Google, how to start my own hedge fund, and then you yeah. would, you know, see us like on, a, you know, on AdWords and we would help you to, to get started. Because <laughs> it's a very, you know, opaque um, industry where you don't know exactly how to do these things. How much were they looking to invest? Millions or tens of thousands in the beginning? For hedge fund, it was millions, like one to ten million. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. And they still couldn't just hire a lawyer and an accountant to figure the whole thing out. They needed you to do it. They could, but you know, it would have it would have been a, a very painful uh, experience if you do that. So it was really, you know, the easiest way to get you started. Okay. All right. I like how how clear this was for you and then you were charging them how were you taking a yeah yeah, how were you charging it was very simple you know pricing because what i hate about lawyers that they will tell you okay it's gonna cost 50k but then you know one week before the project is finished they you know tell you oh actually you know i went through the billing etc and it's gonna be 150k and so you are mad, etc. So you try to negotiate down and they say, okay, we can settle at 100K. So it's, it's such a bad experience, right? And for us, the pricing was very, you know, clear. It's like 20K setup and then 1K per month, uh, like, you know, uh, recurring every month. And it's simple, right? We, we're not going to renegotiate the pricing, etc. It's a very transparent uh, pricing that is on the website. It you was can 1K see it every and, month for the life of the fund? Yeah, 1K every month for... And you had nine people who were willing to do this, if I understand right, in the beginning when you were doing this all manually. Correct. Yeah. That means you were bringing in $90,000 and your expenses beyond your co-founder time was what? How much were you paying on lawyers? So at first, I mean, we had maybe uh, not a lot of margin, right? It was maybe like 10, 20% margin. Uh, so we were not yeah, generating a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of profit at all. Because we were, you know, expecting that then we're going to automate, etc. Yeah. Okay, that's still great. That's $9,000 for you coming in on a monthly basis that you could, obviously, you're not taking it and going and partying. If you were, even in school, if you weren't going to take your $50 and go blow it on beer, you're not going to take this (laughs) $9,000 and go blow it on parties. I get it. But now you've got real profits coming in. No outside funding at this point for for Vauban? Yeah, first funding was um, eight months after we started. Okay, so then it's the two of you doing this. You're spending money on legal work. You're doing this yourselves, being the in-between. You're learning from each one of these uh, different funds that you're putting together so that you can bring the learning back to the others. And now it's time for you to say, we could either be service providers who go crazy being middlemen between these other service providers, or we can create a systemized way of doing business that reduces our headache and speeds things up for our clients. At that point, What's the first thing that you start to systemize, that you start to automate here? Uh, it, it was legal documents. Because the thing is that, you know, even a, a lawyer, and that's what we, we didn't know, right? But we realized it very quickly. A lawyer can make mistakes, right? Like it's actually very hard if you, if you have like 10 legal documents for a project and you want to make a change, but the change, you know, will impact like other documents. So every time you change something, you need to repercutate, you know, the, the the changes all across like a set of documents. So it's actually very uh-huh. hard to keep a, you know, a set of legal documents very consistent. Um, so that was the first thing, you know, we uh, we've done. So one thing changes in one place, you change it throughout the document automatically, code, exactly automatically. Did you code this up yeah. yourselves, or did you just find software that did it? No, we we, we I coded that myself. You coded it yourself. So now you as the developer get to take on the actual work of building. Remy can go and spend more time on promoting. You built this out yourselves. How how did it look? How did that first version that you built look? Um, I mean, it was working. Like, (laughs) you know, it was a... 
It was working. So essentially, you know, when you when you launch a fund, first you need to have your legal documents, then you need to onboard your investors. So essentially, they need to fill in like forms, etc. So we were building the platform as our clients were going through the process. So you know, every month we would add a, another tab on the on the dashboard. Ah, yeah, <laughs> that would, yeah, that yeah, yeah. The, the process. You, you see what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. All right, and then. Tell me more. What else did you start to update? And then how did you learn from your customers what you should be updating? Um, I mean, in terms of updates, at first, we... So when we developed this um, investor onboarding, uh, you know, to comply with regulation, we thought it would be, you know, only like individuals that will invest in, in these uh, funds. But actually you know, you have like a range of investors. So that could be, uh, you know, institutional investors investing through their family offices or holding, etc. So the first thing we, we had to update was to um, include um, like an onboarding application for companies as well, plus individuals. Because you want to make sure that the money that's going into the funds is not shady. It's not illegal funds. It's exactly. not going in the... And so you created a process to onboard them that would allow you to investigate them. Who'd you use? What service did you use to investigate the investors? Um, so at first we used this, um, it was like a background check provider where basically you enter yep. the name of an investor and then, you know, the service is going to match on all the, you know, like, terrorism list, uh, money laundering, mm -hmm. you know, list across the world. So they have like all these databases and you just enter But it's basically you, you connecting see. with yeah. this service through their API. Correct. Got yeah. it. And now you onboard an investor, you get all the CRM information so that they get added to the, uh, to your funds, uh, address book essentially. And at the same time, you're a, you make API calls out to this other company that checks the investor, make sure that they're okay. Golden, why do you need to check out the companies that are being invested in? I understand the investors, but why the companies? Because you, you don't want, um, you know, you, you don't want uh, investors to invest in a fund that is going to invest in, uh, you know, in scam or like, you know, shell companies. Uh, or, you need to make sure uh, that the companies, companies are legitimate yeah, for investing. Yeah, legit as well. Yeah, because it's your role as a fund administrator to, you know, check that the investors are fine and the investment are fine as well. Okay, I'm with you so far. This is starting to make sense. You said after eight months, you raised money. What was it that told you that it was time to raise money? How did you know? Um, we just needed more uh, automation. And, you know, I, I was the only uh, developer, so I was, you know, completely <laughs> uh, overwhelmed, right? Like, there were, like, just so many uh, things to, to do. So it was uh, the right time for us to... Um, yeah, expand the team, right? Like build out a proper, you know, product engineering team, um, go after the market, hire our first, um, you know, salespeople, operational people as well to, to help us just to, to grow. By the way, the company name is Vauban. It comes from uh, a military engineer's name, right? A French military engineer. Why did you pick his name? What is it about him? So at the beginning, we were called Citadel, you know, like, like a fortress. Yeah. Um, but you must know that there is a very big hedge fund called Citadel, yeah. Yeah, investment firm <laughs> called Citadel Securities. So they sent us this uh, season desist letter only like four months uh, after we started. And, um, and we were like, okay, so we need to, to change name, right? We, we, we're not going to fight. Um, and essentially, Vauban was yeah, a French military engineer during the Sun King, and he built all the citadel, like all the fortresses in France. So we ah, were like, okay. okay, you are a citadel, but we're going to be the guy that are going built to build you. all the fortresses. Yeah, ah, exactly. got it. So now all these funds are like their own citadels. They're protecting money. Exactly. You're the one who sets yeah. it up for them. Got it. Okay. And I also like that he's an engineer, not just a creator and builder, but he's an engineer. And frankly, the military side of it makes me feel like you guys are ready for, for, for the hard work of battling your competitors. <laughs> the whole thing feels, feels right. Um, at what point did you start to replace the outsourced accountants and the outsourced lawyers that you were bringing in 
um, it was after a year where we started first to um, to replace uh, the accountant. Uh, and then, I mean, we still work with, with lawyers now, but it's not on a project, you know, not client per client. It's more like, okay, we, we want to build this new, um, you know, fund structure in the US. For example, we, we want to make it easy now to raise from US investors. So mm. let's work on, you know, some template, etc. Can you provide us the, the template? And then we automate the template instead of doing on a client by client. Okay, do you, you're saying though to this day you still use outsourced lawyers in addition to in, inside lawyers? Okay, and you started bringing up the U.S. versus Europe. You were European Correct. based in the beginning. How hard is it to go from France to another country to another country still? I mean, f from day one we knew that we needed to go international because when we started in London, you know, UK is a is a small you know market, right? So. We were like, we can't just build a big company in, in the UK. Like we need to start from day one on how we're going to, you know, like expand and go international. So the entire platform was built around this idea, you know, where it was very easy to add new product, new jurisdiction, new country, comply with, you know, different regulation, etc. It was very important for us. Okay. I guess now I'm starting to see how it all comes together. I'm seeing the building. You now need to go get more customers. Once you once you start automating, you can go beyond the nine without going crazy. How'd you get the next batch of hedge funds, venture capitalists, anyone else who wanted to raise money? Um, so we just scale our channel, you know, so AdWords and um, content you know, content marketing and, and really word of mouth because, you know, all of these, in, all of these um, hedge fund managers, they network a lot, you know, with other hedge fund managers and other investors. Yeah. So th that's really how we, yeah, how, how we, we, we scale it. But, um, but yeah, two, two to three years after we, we, we started on hedge fund, we realized it was, it was not really, um, like we were not in the best place to, um, to create a big company with hedge funds uh, only because it would make more sense, for example, for Robinhood, you know, to do it with like copy trading, like for very small hedge fund, right? Like you don't need a very institutional platform. So we pivoted to um, to venture capital, like private market and, and, and venture capital. So we deboarded all of our clients, like all of our hedge fund clients. Um, that was a very, um, yeah, tough, tough decision. It was not easy at all. Um, because it's you know but all of because you saw that there wasn't going to be much growth in hedge funds in hedge funds on your platform. You said someone else can do a better job than we can. Why not keep those current clients? Keep servicing them while you're bringing in new ones. It's very yeah, it's very interesting question um, because you know you can. I mean, focus is so important, but you tend to uh, forget it, right? Because as founders, okay. you are so trained to but so is money money is also important <laughs> yeah. right money is important yeah but the thing is that you know if you keep like chasing the new uh, shiny object and you keep adding product 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 etc i mean at the end you, you're not going to create any great product and and you can think okay but wait elon musk you know is going to to space etc why can't i serve hedge fund and, and venture capital right it doesn't right. look like that hard but actually it's hard like actually it's uh, like we realized we we just needed to to focus more on one single product where you know we really believed in and execute on that and create the best product how did you know that it was going to be venture capital that it was going to be these angel type investors because when we when we released a product we really saw uh, you know the start of an exponential even though venture was only like 10 20 percent of our revenue it was growing much faster than hedge mm. fund. Uh, so we were, okay, maybe it's time to yeah reconsider the, the strategy and, and make the switch. I think that makes sense. So we lost like 80% of our revenue uh, yeah, in a, in a single day. That was pretty tough. <laughs> I'm wondering how you acquired so many people in the venture space in the startup world. But first, let me say, Anyone out there who's uh, building a business knows that email marketing is a great way to reach out to your customers, right? You know this all, right? You get somebody's email address, you keep teaching them, keep staying in touch, and eventually they're going to buy. I, the problem with email marketing is a lot of email software just stinks. All it does is pound, pound, pound people with email. 
And Ulrich, you know this because you know Send and Blue. We talked about them before we got started. What they do really well is they say, okay, if somebody already bought, if somebody already converted, you could just tag them. You know that they've actually bought and you don't keep pounding them with sales messages and you definitely don't do the horrible thing of saying, hey, by the way, we offer this big 50% discount today, which is such a painful thing for somebody who just bought from you to see. Intelligent email marketing will avoid that by understanding when people have taken action, you can send follow-up messages that are different from what everyone who hasn't taken action gets. That's what Send in Blue does. The problem with a lot of email marketing software is it doesn't do it, or if it does, they start out kind of inexpensively and then they jack up the price to outrageous levels. Not Send in Blue. Send in Blue starts out inexpensive and continues as you grow, staying reasonably priced. And you could see this for yourself. It's hard to change email marketing companies. So pick the right one that, yes, will be uh, inexpensively priced. Yes, will have all those features that you love. And frankly, goes beyond email because you might discover that SMS gets you better response than email. And if it does, why go and sign up for another service that then has to connect back into your CRM with email? You don't need that. And then if you want to have live chat or, or, um, Everything else that's out there, work with it. Send in Blue will work with all those external services. Or, frankly, they have a lot of internal services that are already built. And if you're paying for them, you might as well use it for them. Use their landing pages. Add more email addresses using their tools that are included in the already low, low price that you get when you go to sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. Why throw the slash Mixergy at the end? Because, yes, you give your old pal Andrew credit for sending you over. But number two you get an even lower price than other people who sign up for Send in Blue. Go investigate them, look into them. I have absolute confidence that you will love them once you look into them. And once you try them, you'll love them even more. And use my URL to get started right now, sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. And of course, your influencers, if you're listening to me, tell your friends that's the company they should be using for email marketing, sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. All right, let's talk about the rest. Was it going to venture still all about getting into uh, buying ads and getting into the, uh, well, basically, was it all about spending money or was there something else that you were doing that worked? It was the exact uh, same playbook, you know, start with Google ads because, I mean, Google ads works so well on, on Vauban just because it's the best time um, to reach out to a potential uh, client, right? Like the when you are launching your your fund or when you you want to launch a syndicate, the first thing you do is you go on Google how to launch a VC fund. Or how is to it, or do you SPD. start to think who do I already know in the space and I'll just go and talk to them? Is it that, or is it who do I know who's been offering this? Because I don't know that people think of Google for something like this. For certain things you think about, like you don't look to Google necessarily when you're looking for a doctor. You look to your friends first, right? No, I, I agree. But you, you would be surprised. Like it, it works. Yeah, it, it worked out so well. And then the second, uh, you know, part of the of the playbook we tested on, on hedge fund is, you know, really to build this kind of brand and, and word of mouth. So it's to start with with. Google AdWords, like to get the first, um, you know, users, like to get the first clients. But then you really scale with a uh, word of mouth, as you said. All right. I noticed that you went even beyond this, that the other thing that you did was you now have a, a product for an entrepreneur who's trying to raise money. I got a buddy, by the way, he's doing this. I, I told him, he, and he he's not at all in the tech space, so he just went off on his own, got a great business idea. He's he's in real estate, going great. But he's managing all the safe, all the agreements, all the investments using freaking PDFs that he's emailing people, which is such a real estate guy thing to do. And now he's keeping track of the document. I go, dude, there's a better solution. At what point did you say we're going to offer that better solution for entrepreneurs who are trying to raise money from friends and family? They don't want to have all this stuff handled by themselves. We can do it for them. What point did you say that's an opportunity for us too? Um, I mean, it was very natural because we use it on ourselves. Like when we raised our um, Series A, like two two years ago, mm-hmm. um, we were like, you know, we have so many of these, uh, you know, angel investors, like guys from our you know networks that want to invest but we can't have you know like 35 investors on the cap table and you know the vc will lose their mind and <laughs> and they will just uh, you know stop the process right so we are okay actually we have this spv product right why can't we use it for ourselves where you know we wrap all of the angels up in an spv and it takes only one line on, on the cap table and it's all uh, you know managed automatically on the spv so you you know, you just focus on, on your own and you just, you know, send a link to 
investors and angels that want to invest and they go, you know, follow their, their own process online. So you don't have to, to manage them. And it worked out, yeah, super well, you know, with our round, like we raised um, 300k from uh, from angels and the experience was great. So we are like, actually, we can, you know, productize that for other founders. What about uh, pricing? How did you figure out how to price? Did you did you stick throughout the early days with a monthly fee? What was it that you, how did you adjust pricing? I mean, pricing is a is a very interesting um, topic. You have two ways of doing it, or you spend you know weeks and weeks like trying to uh, optimize your, your your pricing and and try to be you know smart and outsmart the competition. And I think you know you would lose time, or you just um, reflect the pricing of the competition, like you basically you know, <laughs> right. have the same pricing as them, but you beat them on the on the product and on the features, etc. Mm-hmm. And you build a better product, but with the same pricing. Like you don't want to win just because, you know, you are you are cheaper. Um, and we went with a yeah, second solution. So Which was, very you easy, said, what's just, out there already? Let's just match what exactly. other people are doing and improve the features. Yeah. Speaking of, there are other, um, other companies out there. There's Assure, there's Angelus, etc. How do you, how do you compete some of them have real brand names because of the the entrepreneurs behind them. Others are just kind of institutions in the space. What do you do? That seems like a tough battle. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a tough battle. But actually, when you think about it, uh, our unique selling point is that we are truly global, like we are international, and it's very important in our in the VC world because venture capitalists you know, are very social creatures, right? So they would always, you know, travel around the world. They would meet like investors in Paris, in New York, in uh, in London. And so they need a platform where they can onboard investors, you know, all across the world. Um, they can create, um, you know, funds and SPV in the US, in the UK, in Luxembourg, you know, in Europe um, to accommodate for any type of investors. Um, whereas, you know, the, the platform you mentioned, like, you know, they are great, right? Like, it's a, it's a great product, but it's very um, US-centric. So it works well, you know, if you have 100% US investors, but you don't you don't want to go, uh, yeah, global. And then where you, I didn't realize that. I thought that they were working globally well, too. Where do you see that people are globally? Like, where's the, outside the US, where are the majority of investors on your platform coming from? Everywhere, really. Um, I mean, Middle East, uh, you know, France, Luxembourg, UK, Singapore, Hong Kong, th- South Africa, uh, US as well, of course. But I mean, US is just fifty percent of global venture funding. So you have, you know, the other fifty percent, right, that are coming from uh, rest of the world. I mean, I, I don't like the expression "rest of the world." I don't it either. Sounds like a <laughs> uh, but yes, that's the, that's the truth. Like fifty percent of you know VC funding uh, come from elsewhere as well. All right, and so if I create one SPV, one special purpose vehicle, can I then take investors into it from all over the world, from the Middle East, as you said, Europe, and the U.S.? Exactly, yeah. you, can, you can do it on, on the bomb. Oh, okay. All right. One of the things that you told our producer was that it was hard to hire. Then somewhere around 2019, 2020, the market changed because you were starting to see that um, there were layoffs. The layoffs in 2020 were because of what? In other companies. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, I mean, it was because of uh, COVID first. Uh, and then now, you know, there are just a, a lot of, you know, layoff because of the, you know, current macro environment. So actually, it used to be a very um, hard problem, like hiring, because you need to, you know, compete with like so many other startups that raise like millions and millions. Um, but now, it, yeah, it's getting easier. Got it. So when there were layoffs around uh, COVID, you were able to start hiring. How many people on the team right now? So there are 50 of us. 50. Yeah. And can you talk about what the revenue is publicly? Where are you now? So <laughs> I, I can't tell you exactly the revenue, but I, I can let you do the, the math. Um, so currently we have 300 uh, clients, like 300 
fund managers. Um, and we do 40, 45 SPV per month. And on average, an SPV is around 10K. 10K to, per uh, month of managing yeah. it. 10k uh, lifetime. It's a it's a one-off transaction. It. 10k Five lifetime, 10K. and then how many do do you onboard yeah. every month? Uh, 45. 45 new ones, and you just set it up for them. They just pay 10k. They have their SPV, and then they move on. Exactly. Yeah. And then managing the it. Where you? Managing it, making sure that the uh, the financial paperwork goes out at the around tax time and so on. Is that on them, or is that also included? It's included. Like essentially everything uh, is, is included where, you know, you just do your SPV, you make your investment and then you forget about it. Like you forget about all the filings, uh, yeah, tax filings, regulatory You handle filings, the whole like thing everything. for the life of the fund. Exactly. Yeah. And you have no ongoing revenue from any of this? So we have recurring revenue for VC fund, but not for SPV. Not for SPV. So if it's, it's yeah. SPV means investing in one product, in one, in one company. In one company. Yeah. That's it. And so for that, you have no ongoing. For funds who are investing in multiple, there is. And what's the fee for that? What's your ongoing revenue from that? So to launch a VC fund on Vauban, it's 20K uh, one-off for the setup. And then it's 25K a year. Okay. All right. I'm seeing the model. One of the things that you told our producer was... We then had an existential dilemma. I love existential dilemmas. I love that Ari can actually get people to admit that we had a crisis or a dilemma that made us wonder whether we could survive. And the existential dilemma was, what do we do next? Do we just keep perfecting this one product? Is the market big enough for us to make this the most perfect thing? Or do we need to start to move to a different sector? Like maybe real estate, right? If somebody wants to invest in real estate property, they also need the same type of system that you've created for somebody who wants to invest in a startup. How do you decide where to go? I mean, we, we, we are still uh, figuring it out. Um, I mean, it comes back to, you know, what we were discussing, right? Like the focus is so important. And I still think we have so much to, uh, you know, to, to build in, in, in venture capital and to go uh, more, um, you know, vertically than horizontally and, and starting to launch, you know, like commercial real estate, etc. So we're going to do it for sure. But right now we remain, uh, you know, soldier of... Uh, the venture capital industry. <laughs> so as long as there's more growth in venture capital, you're going to continue with it. As soon as exactly. you start to yeah. see, you know what, we've exceeded the, like the, the benefit is not worth putting in more effort. We've got a solid product. Then you might look into something else. Um, and then the other thing you told Ari was that there are a couple of times when you almost gave up. And one of them was the thing that you and I talked about earlier, crypto hedge funds. And I guess part of it is that there's so much freaking volatility. I mean, as we've seen now, we're in the middle of 2022, like tremendous volatility. You were seeing that even before. And how did the volatility impact you and your business? So actually, it's pretty fine. Like from what we, um, you know, from what we see, like we are still growing, like the number of uh, deal investment spv and fund are still growing i think it's actually the best time to launch a vc fund because you know would you prefer to have started a vc fund like two years ago and invest in companies at peak valuation or start now and invest in you know very reasonable valuation where you have your time you know to do your due diligence etc because a year ago it was crazy like you know the deals will just uh, you know, last for like two or three days and you needed to commit without any due diligence as a VC. But now you have, you know, like a month, right, to do your due diligence and to invest and to actually do your job. So I think it's actually the best time to invest, you know, in long term. What about in getting VC? investors right now? Yes, it is the best time to get a good deal and a smart deal from a company yeah. that you're investing in. What about from raising money when people are looking at their crypto investments and uh, Wall Street investments and they're all down? feels like that would make it tougher. That's a challenge. It's really fundraising and it's really about, you know, how you approach investors. But from an investor perspective, essentially, they don't have a lot of options, right? Because all they stay in cash and they get crushed by inflation or they invest in bonds. But the problem is that the interest rates uh, have not matched inflation yet. So you can get crushed. And the volatility on the stock market, you know, is so high, right? That you can lose like 10% uh, um, a week. So actually, if you 
you know, if you if you take a step back and and you look at the macro, you know, investing in in the in, in the long term is actually a yeah a pretty good um pretty good solution, right? Pretty good options. Has your business gone down in the last say two to three months? No, we are actually growing like twenty percent. Still growing despite all this. Yeah, more people growing. creating yeah, funds. Yeah. More people creating special purpose vehicles. Yeah. Freaking a! All right, congratulations. All right, we're in the summer. Let's close it out with this. What are you doing for fun when you're not working? What's the thing that you gravitate towards? Um, I really like uh, reading, <laughs> listening to uh, to podcasts as well. Um, like I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I just finished this yeah, very good um, book about you know the the culture map. Have you heard of it? The what? The culture map. The culture map, yeah. No, what is it? No. Um, essentially, it talks about how to work with people from different cultures, um, ah. and it's and it's a bit you know controversial, right? Because you know nowadays it's really about um, the individual, right? Like you can't say, oh, all French are like that, right. all right. <laughs> American are like that, etc. But actually, in the workplace, when you interact with people from different cultures, you you can. You can see that things, you know, are, are different, right? For mm-hmm. example, in France, it's not super rude to arrive like five minutes late at a meeting. But if you're in the UK or in Germany, it's actually very, very rude. Um, and you need to walk out and to understand all these differences. If you want, you know, if you truly believe in diversity, yeah, uh, you need to understand the, the differences in, in, in these different cultures. Um, and same for America. For example, you know, Americans are very... Uh, direct right in business but the only exception is when they provide uh, feedback let's say a performance <laughs> review they will be not direct at all right like they will wrap everything up yes. in a, you know with a lot of positivity etc so they are not direct but in france we are not very direct for you know when we do business but for performance review you know we are very direct where we just say okay this work was really shit right <laughs> so you, you need to understand that otherwise uh, it can create you know like huge misunderstanding um, so yeah, I, I found it very, very interesting. It's one of my favorite uh, book. What's the name of the book? The Culture Map. The Culture Map. I'm reading The Two-Hour Cocktail by Nick Gray, way lighter than what you're talking about, because I, I've forgotten what it's like to get people together. And having a two-hour cocktail party with a few people, especially now that I moved to Austin and I want to get to know more people, it's such a such a helpful thing to do and it's such an efficient way to connect with people that I've got to remember how to do that and get back into doing that. All right. All right. This has been fan freaking tastic. I appreciate you coming on here. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you so much, Andrew. All right. And for everyone who's listening, the site is Vauban. Wait, it's Vauban.io. Input, output, vauban.io, V-A-U-B-A-N.io. And I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, if you need to hire developers, you already know, go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. And the second, when you're ready to do email marketing right, especially when you're starting a company your friend is, send them over to sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. I'm grateful to them, to you, Ulrich, and to everyone who's listening. Bye, everyone.